0: again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Muirden. How's it going today Will? It's not bad mate, it's not bad. It's not bad, we've made a later start than usual and in some really really good news we are now a cricket podcast because Miami football sucks so we're just going to focus on, uh, I nearly said Tennessee Vols, you don't want to focus on them either. Uh we're just going to focus on how the Aussies have won the cricket.
1: Well, we've retained the Ashes. We keep saying one at, at this stage, we've just retained. They can still level it up.
0: Yeah, but... It, I mean... Yeah, but we've still retained the Ashes. Like, I feel Look, like- I,
1: I'm right there with you because we're sure as hell not a gambling podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. we've, we've got to find
0: something that hits us. Um, on top of that, we've dominated for like three tests. In- anyway... Let's get into some college football. So we've got a lot to get through tonight. Uh, We are going to be a little bit later. Of course, the NFL started this week as well. Not that we're going to talk about that, but Antonio Brown is weird. Uh, But we've got our takeaways from this week's action. We've got game uh, recaps to get into. We've got Aussies in action, uh, bold predictions, and then we go on the punt as well with Will just to see how successful or not he was this week. But let's start with the AP poll. William, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so that's come out a bit earlier this week, and I can see that the big movers are LSU on the back of their victory over Texas. So that's somewhat expected, I suppose, when you knock off a a fellow top 10 team. But how do you feel about them jumping over the top of both Ohio State and Oklahoma?
0: Yeah, again, this is one of those things that I don't really... Like it too much yet because there's like how you know Ohio State just beat a Cincinnati team that we said was relatively good that and they, is really good, yeah. Okay, and they shut them out, <laughs> they didn't even score. Yeah, maybe relatively good was the right word there. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma haven't done anything wrong at this stage. In fact, everyone's been super impressed with Jalen Hurts, they haven't missed a beat this year either. I don't want to take away from the LSU win, I'm actually starting to turn the corner on them, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But again, this to me is where this uh, profile comes down. I need six weeks. I need some conference play. I need a little bit more before I bother with this too much.
1: No, I I like it because it encourages teams to schedule a bit more difficult matchups. I mean, if you do have a harder one and then you win that, I want to see you jump it.
0: It, And I get that. But I don't think after Oregon's two years uh, going and playing... Oh, sorry, check that. The Pac-12's two years, so Washington coming and visiting Auburn, and then the following year, Oregon coming and visiting Auburn. And again, I don't want to harp on about Miami, Florida, but Florida was sloppy in the first... Like, I, I'm seeing a lot of teams want to get that week one out of the way, and they. I, I, I can see why teams don't want to schedule a yeah, massive you, one week one.
1: Go the flip side and you take Auburn's last two years. It's great. It's been a great jump for them, and that's a big part of why they've been able to make it up into the top 10 again, because they've had two strong... First week outings,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess there is that. Flip you got to win your to football games, so yeah, I'm I, all for you it. Do, you do, oh, absolutely. And I want to see big matchups more than often as well. But I can see why teams are shying away potentially from a week one, just of how rusty everyone came out uh, in that first week, just how sloppy it can be.
1: So while we're looking at uh, the SEC, how do you feel Count about spots two, three, and four all being filled from SEC teams first time since? 2014 that three of the top four spots have been held by one conference and that was the SEC back then too.
0: Yeah, I think it just confirms, we spoke about this a little bit in the offseason, but the disparity between the haves and the have-nots and again, we'll talk about it later when we recap the LSU Texas game, but LSU are making that push to leap into that top echelon program with those ones that have, the kind of stalwarts that have been there, Alabama, Clemson Oklahoma, Ohio State, And Georgia, and now LSU are looking to make that leap, Uh, and it and it just goes to show the lack of parity again in college football, which I'm not being critical of. That's the nature of the sport. Uh, But the big state schools with money are going to do well.
1: I'll throw something in there that uh, Clemson might be a step above all of that that you've just talked about, the performance they had against Texas A&M that we'll touch on a little bit later, was as impressive as anything. And if you go back, including the back end of last year, this team is almost unstoppable at the moment. I mean, they are just
0: wrecking everyone that comes up against them. They stopped Travis Etienne okay, A&M did. Uh, and how, how <laughs> how'd, <laughs> how'd that work? go for them? <laughs> yeah, not great. Yeah. Um, Down the bottom, I mean, I'm not too concerned about that middling pack. They've all kind of stayed where they are. Uh, Down the bottom, though, we see Virginia jump in uh, as the second ACC team, which goes to one of my takeaways, and that is that the ACC is hot garbage at the moment. Outside of Clemson, there is no one really that deserves to be in the conversation. I don't even really think Virginia... Uh, deserve to be there. I look at those teams that are collecting votes around them, Iowa State, Mississippi State, TCU, uh, even Oklahoma State. I don't know if Virginia are beating those teams Uh or it'd certainly be a dog fight.
1: What do you mean even Oklahoma State? I feel like they're the big disrespected mob at the moment. Oh, I'll pipe down. Massive, <laughs> massive win over McNeese. <laughs>
0: exactly. Hey, you've got to take them where you can. Now, I do need to own up to my bold prediction falling in a heap here while we're on the top 25 poll. So one of the season ones? One of the season ones, yeah. I said that, uh, if I can drag it up, Oregon... Michigan, Washington, and Iowa were four teams that started in the top 25 to start the year. They will remain in there throughout. TCU, when they get in, and Nebraska, when they get in, will also never leave. But, of course, those two teams had to get in in the first place. Nebraska, after their week one win, jump up to 25. They then go and lose to Colorado. So they're out, and I can strike a big old fat line through my one of my bold predictions for season 2019.
1: Okay, well, while we're owning up to these ones, uh, I had Cincinnati to make a New Year's Six Bowl. <laughs> and getting spanked by Ohio State essentially rules them out. Even if they run the table now, they needed to run that one close yeah, or yeah. at least, you know, make
0: a game of it. That's dead in the water, so I'm down 1-2. Well, we don't know that yet, but it's not probably not looking positive. Uh, any other takeaways for you this week in uh, in what was a really, really entertaining week of college football?
1: Another one that we'll hit on, but uh, Michigan were able to escape the Army uh, upset that we kind of called going into the season. We had that one circled to say, really watch out for that one. And then Army was so flat week one, we both got off of that and thought, yeah. nah, no way. yeah. <laughs> And then, sure enough, it it came too. They really had to squeak through in double overtime to get it
0: done. And Army had their chance as well. I mean, we're not going to spend too much time on this, but they had a kick at the gun to to win that one and and pushed it wide right. There was also a turnover. I mean, they just can't throw the ball very well, so don't do it. Don't. Just, you know. uh, And then they turned the ball over in the red zone. In fact, even inside the 10, potentially, which wasn't a good turnover for Army either. So... Um they'll feel like they probably let one slip there on Michigan and Michigan escape. For sure.
1: Uh I guess the the other takeaway that I did want to mention is that we've had more carnage at the quarterback position. So this time a pair of SEC quarterbacks have gone down for the year. We've had Jake Bentley at South Carolina yeah. uh, out with a foot injury, so he's been ruled out for the remainder of the year. As well as Terry Wilson at Kentucky. He's uh, done that patella tendon injury, which is not a good one. Uh, it's it's Often worse than uh, ACL when you completely tear the patella tendon. That's the one that Diego Mira had and, and really took a number of years to get over. And Diego Mira is for a all superstar our, <laughs> for all our other listeners out there. A superstar of the Australian rules football game. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it really derailed his career, career for what, three years before he's been able to come back and kind of get back to the point where he was beforehand.
0: Yep. Uh, I think there's a couple of things that stand out for me. To me, this week's football was better. I know know we talked about it last year, or I talked about it, because I didn't think we ever had those real great weeks of college football last year. Uh, I thought this week far outstripped any week in last year's season in terms of entertainment value, in terms of quality, in terms of surprising games, upsets. Just general carnage. Whether it was a two and a half hour delay between Washington and Cow, and I know that finished at like four thirty or something in the morning on the east coast of America, which means it finished at about four o'clock in the afternoon here in Australia.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that they get to experience some of what we have to. Like they're real <laughs> diehard college football fans. It's probably unlikely there's anyone over there because they have such easy access to it. Yeah, but. That's just a taste of what we have to do <laughs> yeah, I know. to be able to get full coverage of all the games.
0: Um, so, I thought this was a fantastic year. And, and the last thing, I think, is when it comes to a talent difference, lightning rarely strikes twice in consecutive seasons in college football. We're, we're hoping that, you know, maybe Kellen Mond could capture what he captured last year against Clemson. That just didn't happen. happen. Having said that, sometimes it does. Cal have now beaten Washington twice in a row. Colorado have probably upset Nebraska, although that's a little bit debatable on the end of la- at the start of last season. But maybe Colorado a pretty good team in September. Um, but they've got over Nebraska twice now in the last two years, and and well done to Stevie Montez and the Buffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, Old Dominion weren't able to. That was the other
0: one. Sorry, yeah, I meant to, to double down that. on that
1: one. But yeah, I I, I-, I see that they're kind of. I don't know what the argument is there. Sometimes it does happen, sometimes it doesn't.
0: <laughs> Not really. It's just when I was thinking about this as it was happening in the game, because actually Nebraska were up pretty big. I mean, they Colorado they didn't had score that one. In, the first half, in the first half. And then Washington were up as well. And I was like, lightning just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Like when there is that talent difference, yeah, they they can play them tough one year. Like Syracuse did it against Clemson. They beat them. And the following year, they, they had a little bit tough, but Clemson get over the line. It just wasn't happening, and then Old Dominion went and lost. Texas A and M went lost. I was like, "Yeah, this makes sense." Then all of a sudden, it didn't make sense anymore. But yeah, that is kind of one two takeaways. A really, really exciting week of college football.
1: It was. It was good viewing.
0: Alright, let's jump into some game recaps and Will wants to hand out heck, helmets some helmet stickers. So can you talk us through why that is relevant to our Australian listeners?
1: Uh, we did touch on this one when you were off gallivanting around, so I ah,
0: I apologize. <laughs>
1: I do appreciate you trying to <laughs> well, bring the up. tell me group about in.
0: it. Tell me about it. It
1: I would be know. good if you could listen back to some of the shows, especially mate, the ones I that you're not the, sitting I on. I hate the
0: sound of my own voice, too. I you could weren't not in think, that. I could not think of anything worse. It was me and Wobbs. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything worse than that. There's only one thing worse than my own voice, and that's listening to you two natter away at each other.
1: Tr- we're trying to talk to our listeners here, mate, and you're really <laughs> turning them away. What? what you don't I rate listen our listeners? His,
0: I, no, I rate our listeners. I don't rate my vocal abilities in any way shape or form shouldn't be
1: talking yourself down like this mate. i anyway. think you do a decent job on this show <laughs>
0: okay i need a bit more
1: confidence from you right
0: okay we'll go we'll do a live show at some stage that'd be good all right so helmet stickers uh if so i guess from my perspective i never really got many but if you're looking at the highest state helmet stickers they're not marijuana leaves Which some people do get in trouble for. I did hear that some people got arrested not in the state of Ohio and people thought they had like dope paraphernalia on their vehicles. Really? Because they had those (laughs) stickers? Oh, Jesus. Anyway, uh, okay, well, where do you want to start, William?
1: Uh, Let's go earlier in the day. Uh, Did you get up for any of the 231s?
0: I did not go super early. Uh, I was up for Clemson and Texas A&M.
1: I think I joined you with that one, so I was up for, for that one there. I wasn't willing to get up to watch me Bearcats play this week. I wanted to. I was uh, a little bit disappointed after dropping my football prelim final and getting bounced out. Uh, yeah. I think I'm growing up as a human. I was uh, a lot more mature about it because almost every other year I've done this, the next three days have just been a real write-off. <laughs> Well, like like the
0: year, UCLA of uh, days, really. Yeah,
1: exactly right. Just shit out. <laughs> <laughs> but this year, not to be. You know? I was at home at a reasonable hour. I think the terminal was on with Tom Hanks.
0: This is gross. Yeah, I know, right?
1: And then I, I was just like... Reflecting on myself, and it was like quite a sad little spot to be. But what do went... the
0: rest of the club do? Normally, they go on bananas. Uh yeah,
1: I think we're we're kind of booked in for next weekend. Okay. So, <laughs> right while I say all of this, <laughs> things could get out of hand. From so you're here. just
0: delaying the inevitable. Okay. Well, speaking of delaying the inevitable, this is taking a long time. So let's get into it. Ohio high state go in and absolutely torch Cincinnati to the tune of 42-0. Justin Fields is a really, really good one. Didn't look as comfortable in the Georgia offense as what he clearly does in the Ohio State version. Uh, He probably didn't run as much as what he did last week. Uh, Looked to push the ball downfield. And since he just didn't have any other gear, there was nothing particularly electric about what they did. Um, Defensively, That we thought they were going to be really, really stout. But between Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, and their plethora of wide receivers, Ohio State managed to absolutely uh, borderline embarrass the Bearcats. Yeah, I mean, they
1: just controlled this one. The, they were in dominating all facets of the game, so it was quite disappointing from a Cincinnati standpoint. I was hoping they could hang tough with them and, and maybe steal something, but it just... Wasn't to be, they couldn't get it done offensively, defensively, anywhere really. It was it was a really polished effort and Ryan Day at Ohio State would be really happy with how he's got the program humming at the moment, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know that there's much more to take away from this. Is Maybe is, is Cincinnati perhaps not as good as we thought they were? Is Ohio State ready to make that next push? We probably thought they were... <laughs> You know, as good as we thought Dwayne Haskins was last year, we felt that they were a step down from, you know, maybe that semifinal. Are they clearly the best in the Big Ten, and and are they clearly you know in this playoff hunt?
1: Well, I think this just shows the the clear level between the top of an F B like a group of five versus the top of a power five. So Cincinnati being the group of five strong team and Ohio State last year could have very much been in the. Uh, playoff themselves they had a bad loss that kind of cost them that the only reason we're not personally I'm not so high on them this year is because they have to play in Michigan I think still think that they're a very good football team I just think that that road out is tough and I favor Michigan in that one and I take them to be the team to go from the Big Ten so both of those teams are really 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 good and they're they're gonna be Playoff teams this year. I mean, um, unless they drop, you know, one drops one along the way, and then they have a bad outing there or something. I expect one of those two teams to represent the Big Ten and take it right up to the the top of anyone else, except maybe Clemson. <laughs>
0: except maybe Clemson. Okay. Moving on to uh, the well, what was a five o'clock clock kick for us? I don't actually know what time would have kicked off in the states. Seven, maybe. I don't know. I'm making stuff up. Uh, but Texas A&M struggle really uh, they they put up 10 points thanks to a touchdown which you would be happy with a, a late backdoor cover really saved me there yeah <laughs> um, and Clemson put up 24 There again there was a lot of talk we came in how close the game was last year but it really wasn't close at all Kellen Mond had to have a special day and he just didn't uh, before I get too far into the Brent Venables' defense and how good that looked, he himself looks like a fucking serial killer on the sidelines. He is a twitchy, waxy-skinned-looking nutcase.
1: Waxy-skinned? Uh, have you not
0: seen that? Like, he looks... I don't know. There's just something about him. He just looks like an angry, scary dude. Yeah,
1: that's what makes you a good defensive coordinator, <laughs> isn't it?
0: <laughs> Mate, you're a freak. Um, but jeez, does he know how to coordinate that defense, though? He it, it was an interesting look for Clemson. They gave you know they pretty much based out of uh, an even front last year, so four down linemen. They obviously had that all all American all world uh, defensive line, but they actually showed a lot of different things. They showed a lot of odd fronts with three down linemen, a lot of shaded fronts. So obviously Kellen Mond wants to run the ball, uh, but they were squeezing defensive linemen and just playing them heads up over the three interior. Uh, Offensive linemen and there's two things that this does. It forces you to perhaps not go to the run game as much, but secondly, it takes away that RPO. And we might start talking about some defensive uh, schematics a little bit later. I know we went through the offensive stuff last week, but with the RPO being such a big part of the game, and that's obviously what Texas A&M want to get to. When you run those shaded fronts, you roll down blitzes late off the edge and play that kind of eagle-looking front. There's just nowhere for Texas A&M to run the ball. Um, Whilst they didn't get the pressure out of their down linemen that they perhaps normally would get, they were fantastic at clogging up those running lanes. And the secondary from uh, Clemson is really, really, really good. So I was impressed at, at, at the changes that the Clemson defense has made, but still how solid they look.
1: Yeah. I mean, they they are really really good. They, it was only fourteen points, so two touchdowns on the box it, it score. It wasn't. It wasn't though, though. Exactly right, and and that's kind of what I wanted to say. Is it it didn't feel like that for those of you watching the game. At no point did it feel like it was ever in doubt. They they scored right on the death, and you know, thank you, Jimbo, for that. Didn't amount to much, but at the time, I was up and about. Really yeah. appreciative. But Clemson just controlled it, did what they needed to do, you know, executed. And we were talking about how Jimbo Fish was a really good head coach and that that was going to be a factor in this one. He is, but
0: it wasn't. I mean, that didn't change my opinion of Jimbo Fish. I thought the defense was actually pretty good. And I know Jimbo Fish is more of an offensive guy anyway. But it wasn't... I mean, defensively, if you can hold Clemson to 24 with Travis Etienne going off Trevor Lawrence and then you've got possibly the best well I don't even know if it's possibly you know with Justin Ross and T. Higgins as the maybe the best wide receiver duo in college football I think Alabama would argue I mean that would be the only argument but you take you if you if you're stopping Travis Etienne, which happened, then you are giving one-on-one matchups to those wide receivers, and that is playing with fire. But what choice do you have? And I thought the Texas A&M defense was actually pretty stout. Uh, there's there's plenty of teams that are going to give up a lot more points than 24 throughout the year to Clemson. Yeah, you're certainly right. Um, so no damage done there to the image of either teams. I don't think. I just think it shows that Texas A&M's a way off. Clemson is just heaps better. So well done to the Tigers. They move on, stay out in front.
1: So, do you think the Aggies could still provide a bit of an upset against one of the other higher-ranked SEC sides this year?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be one of those plucky ones, though. Like, it's not going to be like Texas A and M are going to go in expecting to win, but it'll be they'll they'll grab one somewhere. I haven't looked at their schedule; I don't know it well enough, but they'll make life difficult for someone, and you'll be like, "Oh, Texas is you know A and M's up." You know, seventeen, ten, or 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 Kellen Mond gets hot, and they just put up points on someone. And well, someone and Kyle
1: it. Field's such a tough place to play; such a formidable road destination that any game against any team at home, no matter what the competition, they're gonna, they're going to be around the
0: mark. Well, and I mean, you look at that Kellen Mond game from last year against Clemson. If he plays like that against someone, it's going to cause issues. It's just when he does that is a little bit hard to predict. Yep. All right, the next game, which was a wow, really, really entertaining one, uh, was LSU go down to Austin to face the Longhorns of Texas, and they get out of there with a win 45 to 38. I mean, all the talk at the end of this game was the Josh Gattis offense and how LSU looks so much different. I probably need to take one here and take a big L, and Joe Burrow looks fantastic. Uh, I didn't rate him last year, and I think there was still a lot of question marks coming from a lot of different areas about him as as a quarterback. But giving him some more license to throw the ball, LSU spreading things out. Uh, they are making a big play to make that jump into the top echelon, which is, you know, fantastic for them. They, you know, that, There was a lot of concern around Ed Orgeron when he was first hired and was he going to be the guy and rah rah but he has really solidified that program. Uh, I didn't think this game would be as shoot-outy as it got. I don't think anyone expected 38 points on the LSU defense. Um, and Sam Ellinger's really, really good. Like, he did everything in his power to win that game, but it feels... Texas feel a little bit... I'm going to make an 80s basketball reference when Jordan used to play against the Detroit Pistons and they used to let Detroit... uh, Sorry, Detroit used to let Jordan have his 40, 50, 60 points. They just used to beat him up, but they could never get over that hump. That's kind of what it feels like teams are doing to Sam Ellinger. They let him get close and they want him to run that power football and... But he, they just can't quite get over the line. They just seem a step off the mark. And whilst LSU were behind at times, and and you know it still went to that onside kick to finish the game. I just never felt like LSU were going to lose that game.
1: Yeah, I mean I I love this game. It was great action. It was it was happening. I've got three helmet stickers to hand out just in this game. Finally I. got one. Thank God. So Joe Burrow, as you mentioned, he you've been. Ragging on him. him. Yeah, I have
0: been. I have been.
1: For a long time. And and this was really his come out party. Uh, 31 of 39. 471 yards and four touchdowns. And it was not just like some of the the plays that he was making, it was when he was making them. Like he was able to stand up. That one before half time when they got the ball back with like a minute to go and he was able to just drive the field and get that extra score and give them all that momentum going into the half. And then at the end of the game, he also had a a similar one to really put them away. It was it was a huge effort from him Uh, And then, as you mentioned as well, Sam Ellinger at Texas was kind of going toe-to-toe with him. He was really impressive too. We kind of expect it from him because we know he's a gamer, but he went, you know, 401 yards and 60 rushing yards against an LSU defense that's top five in the country. That's pretty fucking impressive. So really big on both of those ones. And the last one, uh, the sticker that is going to a defensive player. That's Stingley from... Uh, LSU, yeah. the, the true freshman, number one rated cornerback prospect. He really caught my eye out there. He he had a hell of a game matched up against Colin Johnson, who is a, what, senior?
0: Six foot five senior, yeah. Who has
1: hell of a lot of experience. He's, what, 21, 22 years old, has been in the college system and you expect to be balling out. Like one of the better receivers in all of college football and this kid was fucking with him toe-to-toe. He was making a whole bunch of plays, so definitely hand one out there.
0: Yeah, nice one. I I would agree. I mean, what impact do you think now? Texas, early in the game, go down and they're down 3 nothing. LSU kick a field goal perhaps on their opening drive and then Texas get the ball twice inside the five-yard line, go for it on fourth down twice and come up snake eyes both times. Oh, drop the ball in the end oh, zone. Oh, Keontae Ingram. Yeah, yeah that was... Uh, he. I'm sure he's reliving that. Does that have an impact on the game? I mean, and it's always hard to say because Keontae Ingram uh, catches that first one. It's a touchdown. It changes the whole outcome of the game. The game's a totally different game from that point. But if they go up, like, say you could continue the rest of the game as it was. If they go up 14-3, to three, you know, how does the game look? Did Texas get out of there? Is it just a moments thing and Texas didn't make the most of their opportunity? And like you said, Joe Byron Ellis LSU did.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. It really is. Texas had their shot in this one. They, they had their moments to win it. And when it was there to be done, they just didn't didn't quite execute as they needed to. There, there were a few crucial plays. So those two fourth downs inside the five... I mean, as much as they weren't able to do it, and that drop one, yeah, it's bad. LSU really stood up. They were really fucking fierce on the run. Like when they were trying to run into it, it was just into a buzzsaw, getting nowhere. And then when te- uh, Texas took the time out to preserve a bit of clock. Uh, right before the half and then went three and out and punted it back and gave them enough time to give up a touchdown. That's another moment that just really kills you. If if they don't do that, if they can at least get the ball rolling, get one first down, start moving the sticks, it it could be different. You don't know what's going to happen, but those are the, the real clutch plays that have a huge impact on a season.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's probably two more points I do want to get to. Firstly, no team managed to run the ball particularly well. Is there concern? We knew that Texas secondary was going to be able to be picked apart probably. Is there concern that maybe LSU's defense isn't as good as we suspected? Or is it just that the Texas offense is that good?
1: It's, it's a combination of things. I think they are still very good and they're going to come up against teams who don't have as much firepower as Texas and they're going to shut them out comfortably. They're, they're going to show how fierce they can be. I think it was just a, a combination of a good Texas offense combined with a, a fairly hostile environment down in Austin. I mean, you got a hundred thousand diehard Texas fans there. That's that's a tough spot to play. So they grow the third leg and, and really kind of launch Careful things. There. <laughs> as as they're moving Texas. So I'm not looking too much into Texas uh, sorry, LSU's defence being subpar.
0: Okay. A uh, couple of players that I think did really, uh, t- that did really really well. I think Brennan Eagles looks like a really likely type. He's a six foot three, six foot four sophomore wide receiver, which is like my height. And he looked fast. Oh, I know that is a massive difference. Like wow. if I could run. And Devon Duvernay came in and and he had a fantastic game as well. And as much as we say that you know they shut Colin Johnson down, those two boys got off the chain a little bit. Um, but Justin Jeff- on the other side, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase and Terrence Marshall were fantastic. Three receivers go over 100 yards. I also think that the difference coaching makes is clearly evident in college football. When Joe Burrow is going under center, he's got a fullback and a running back in. And you compare that to all this shotgun stuff uh, and spread the offense. And he just looks so much more comfortable. And that is simply a scheming offensive set type thing and how much difference that can possibly make. So Yeah, I mean it certainly
1: helps that he's been in the system a little while longer, but you're right, it it is about creating a system that works best for your players a lot of the time, and that's what the good coaches do. They really identify how they can get the most out of the players that they have, and that's not always the same. It's not a cookie cutter approach. It's continually adapting things to the tools that you have at your disposal and it's bad to refer to the players as as these tools but essentially that's what each individual brings to the table it's a different skill set that you want to exploit so that you can get the most out of it and be productive
0: which is that which is the exact opposite particularly with quarterbacks of how it used to be it used to be you know i'm just going to draft a quarterback that sort of fits my system and then he needs to learn my system rather than it being the other way around just going okay i've got this guy super athletic or He's a really good pocket passer or whatever the case may be and I'm going to find the tools. that He's good under centre. He knows how to make line checks and so you, you change things to suit him. Yeah,
1: and that's why we don't see these uh, first round quarterbacks having to sit a year anymore because it's not going into to play a specific role. The role is made for you. Same yeah. with the freshman quarterbacks. We're seeing more success and we'll touch on this one a little bit later in your bowl prediction but damn it. the... Freshman quarterbacks are adapting and having the offense more like their high school offense, I'm sure, so that they can be productive right from the get-go.
0: Yeah, so a really, really solid outing for LSU. Um, I still think there's still things that both teams would like to clean up there, obviously, and, and LSU will be a tough out the rest of the way. They do have a tough schedule, but I was impressed with Joe Burrow. Uh, so well done to LSU and the Tigers. And I'll be getting around them. Like, I'm more than happy f- to upset the apple cart in terms of Alabama Clemson. I would much rather see LSU jump in there as something a little bit different.
1: So, LSU is going to be your team that you're rooting for this year? Not
0: really. But if it comes to a semi final of Oklahoma, uh, LSU, Alabama, and Clemson, I'm probably, well, I'll probably still going Clemson, actually. But. Um, But I'd like to see LSU win. So, you know, I'd be okay with that. I just like mixing things up. Anyway, last game that we will kind of deep dive on. uh, USC. And I hope you've got a helmet sticker coming up here for the uh, young Trojan quarterback. But USC handles Stanford really comfortably, 45 to 20. This one I did not see coming at all. I believed that, uh, you know... Clay Houghton was going to get fired, and this was going to be a big part of it. Now, neither team had their starting quarterbacks uh, with KJ Costello getting knocked out of the uh, game last week, uh, and also JT Daniels done for the year with his knee injury. But Keaton Slovis comes in for USC... Goes 28 of 33 for 377 and three touchdowns, which is an extremely effective day. Uh, Stanford actually jumped out the blocks really, really well. And I thought, hey, this is done, 20 to three or whatever they were up. Yeah, I thought so too. And then they put it to bed with a really stout defensive performance um, and some fantastic quarterback by another true freshman.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's very deserved of a helmet sticker. Uh, in your first start of your college career as a freshman to come in against a ranked Stanford Cardinal and to really put on a performance like that has people saying, is he the next Sam
0: Darnold? And I don't know. Oh, God. Classic media just jumping on something straight away. He'll probably come in next week and just have a stinker, but yeah. Yeah, um, like
1: Sam Donald's second year after his <laughs> meteoric rise. He really did that for a whole year. So who knows? But it was a very impressive effort from the Trojans. I had this one included in my betting, and at the time when it was 20 to 3, I was getting ready to pack up my stuff and take the family down to the Royal Adelaide show <laughs> yeah. for a bit of a family outing, and I felt pretty good about this. By the time I got down there so I could watch it on my phone whilst pushing the pram around fuck it was done
0: <laughs> yep
1: the trojans were smoking them they were all over them and it was a super impressive performance i think both of us uh didn't really expect this and we've been a bit down on usc just purely because they haven't shown it so it was nice to see a bit of life from the trojans
0: yeah i'm still not buying up big on usc at this point um so we'll see how they go the rest of the year but overall uh, a really, really nice performance by them. So, well done to USC. All right. Now, I'm going to quick fire through some games here. So, please feel free to jump in at any stage. So, Boise State back up their win. A little bit sloppy probably, but they back up their FSU win with a 14-7 win over Marshall. We mentioned Michigan surviving Army in overtime, 24-21. to I
1: do have a, a helmet sticker to hand out here. So, Elijah Riley who is a defensive back for Army, really had himself uh, an impressive effort against Michigan. So in the lead up to this one, we were talking about how they were going to be athletically outmatched and, you know, they were really going to struggle in this one. He didn't give a shit. I mean, <laughs> he fucking balled out from the defensive back position, had two sacks, including a strip sack recovery on Shea Patterson, really getting after it. He led the team in tackles with 13 total tackles, 10 of them solo Uh, and he held them to less than 232 passing yards on the day. So that's a huge effort from a defensive back. I mean, those are the sorts of numbers you would expect from a middle linebacker getting (laughs) around the field or an outside rush linebacker, but he's done that from DB.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's impressive. Um, I mean, there's got to be some questions around Shea Patterson now and, and that Wolverine offense. I mean, he's fumbled twice in terms of opening drives. He's put the ball on the ground. They just can't seem to... We talk about coaches putting their quarterbacks in good positions and it seems again like John Harbour, not John, Jim Harbour uh, is failing to do that with Shea Patterson. Uh,
1: wins a wins a win. Okay. Take it, move
0: on. Okay. Uh, Utah handle Northern Illinois despite a really, really slow start by the Utes but they get over the line 35-17. My boy Zach Moss still going off. Yeah. Uh, number 28, no, sorry, not number 28. There's no number 28. Number... <laughs>
1: Who is number 28? We're making up rankings. I don't
0: know. Number 20, Iowa, roll through Rutgers, 30 to nothing. Alabama, dominate New Mexico State, 62 to 10. Is there something brewing in Maryland? Oh, wow. Maybe. Maybe they're my team. I don't know. But the Terps score 42 in the first half to beat up on the number 21 team in the country.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't feel good if you had money on Syracuse, would you?
0: Oh, yuck. So the Qs go down 63-20 to 20 on the back of a running game that absolutely dominated. Uh, Javon Leak was just one of those. He had seven carries for 107 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Tommy DeVito played well for Syracuse. Uh, He put up over 300 yards from his quarterback position. But really, I mean, uh, Mike Loxley has gone over there to Maryland and done a fantastic job with that offense. And is there a chance, like, is there a chance Maryland can make a Big Ten championship game? I
1: don't think so. Okay. But, (laughs) you know, that's just, for me, this is not good for the ACC. Really, really bad for the ACC, I suppose, because Syracuse were kind of positioning themselves as maybe they could be the number two team. Maybe they're the one who aren't that shit. And it's not just Clemson. No, not them.
0: I think Maryland's actually a sneaky good. And yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know how you beat up at the number 21. 21- Team in the country by 43 points. Or maybe Maryland are just a good September team. They beat Texas two years in a row doing this, and then they fall in a hole. I don't know. Um, but Anthony McFarlane's another running back there that looks like he's going to do some work. So it'll be interesting well, to see how Maryland i They've got
1: that pretty tough preseason program that they run there, so maybe oh, that Jesus. plays into oh, it. Oh,
0: Jesus. <laughs> don't be doing- Different coach, dude. Different coach. Okay. Um, but, you know, Mike Loxley's certainly having... Uh, a really successful time there. Tell you another Alabama coach who's probably not feeling the same way, and that's Jeremy Pruitt. Tennessee lose to BYU in overtime, 29 to 26. How the fuck did they drop that one? Oh, including a 62-yard pass with 10 six seconds, seconds to go, go or something. Or some shit, yeah. 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 Um, so Zach Wilson does a good job there to get them home. I don't know, but uh, tough sledding for the Vols. Uh, Missouri clearly played a lot better, and they handle West Virginia 38-7. to uh, Speaking of bad news for certain conferences, that's probably not a great one for the Big No, 12. but
1: kind of to be expected, I think. Uh, West Virginia are not very good
0: this year. Yeah, okay. Purdue beat up on Vandy. They bounce back 42-24. to
1: Yeah, and I think a couple of helmet stickers for the Purdue boys. So Elijah Sindelar has really started on fire this year. Uh, he has
0: set last week against Nevada.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but his numbers were still really good. Yeah, and and he's leading the nation in terms of uh, passing yards at the moment. And I mean, mostly in part to this week's five hundred and nine yards, <laughs> six touchdown performance. Yeah, fuck, I will give you a sticker for that, my friend. A sweet name, Elijah Sindelar. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, and, I mean, his main weapon, Rondale Moore. We're, we all expect it from him now because, you, you know, you want to see it. You know he's got that big playability. But he really went off. He had 220 receiving yards. So, Purdue's back. Ugh. We're back
0: on the bandwagon. Let's just push on there. Miami go down to UNC 25 to 28 on a lot of botched special teams. Miami move the ball Okay. Uh but yep, uh a messy, messy. Do we messy want a deep dive Cain's. on this one? Uh well hit me. Have you got any questions?
1: I mean not really. it's I know you had some bad special team stuff and whatever, but it shouldn't be close. This game should not be close. No, I mean
0: we got jumped out the blocks and a lot of people have been saying Sam Howe is all this. I don't think he is and that's not just I, I'm conscious that this comes from a bitter uh bias perspective, but a lot of people are lapping up Sam Howe and how good he is. I don't think he actually throws the ball that well. He throws a slant and he throws a slot fade, and that is about it from him. Uh, and he looks at the rush a lot. A team that can get pressure on him, they're really going to struggle. Sounds like sour grapes to me. Yeah, and that's what I didn't want it to sound like. Um, the Miami defense has got a ways to go, and special teams. I mean, we had th- two missed field goals and a blocked extra point.
1: And one of the field goals was like 23 yards yeah, or something. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was extra point. Yeah,
0: it was... It wasn't pretty. And, and those go through and you're winning. And we also you know, had a fourth down and one where uh, the quarterback got tripped and he probably makes that play 99 times out of 100. But former quarterback Chaz Surratt gets in there and makes a play. But credit to you at UNC. I mean, Mac Brown's got them going well. They're well coached. He sure does. Um, so, you know, the Tar Heels, I still don't think they're probably middling. They're probably going 6-6 six and six somewhere there this year. And
1: uh, Miami are looking for a good draft pick
0: next year. Yeah, I mean, I think Miami will continue to improve. The offensive line improved. Jad Williams improved. So it's it's actually falling back on the defense this year, which will be interesting. Uh, Cow beat Washington in a weird sort of game. Jacob Eason can't get going. Um, Cow sort of get out of the blocks pretty well, and, and then Washington come back, actually take the lead. And I thought that was probably it, but Cow gave one last yelp. And that Yelp was enough to get them across the line in a game that seemed to last for a million years.
1: There's a really surprising result for me this week. I, I thought uh, Washington would win this one comfortably. And because it dragged on so late, I didn't get to see it until I saw the final score and was quite surprised. So, Wash, I mean, it's just not good for the Pac-12. Now, like... No, I mean, the- and
0: Washington do this every year, though, where they're just... That, there's that talent gap there and they just... They lose ugly. You just have to go and win that game. It's at home. I don't know.
1: So you, outside of Utah, let's say U- Utah could go strong. They could go. They're they're a possibility for the the national championship or for the the playoff, and that's like an outside possibility. Yeah. If if they clear it, is there anyone else? Oregon.
0: I know they even dro- after the loss. I know they dropped that game to Auburn, but. If Oregon continue to improve, it's a week one. They they can overlook that if if that Auburn loss ages well, and Auburn are good, um, you know, and they maybe go and do a really good job, and even went go and win in the West. I'm Not saying that's going to happen, but that could happen, or they win the Iron Bowl or something like that. Absolutely, if Oregon run the table, there's and they do it convincingly. I was impressed by how Oregon played, and really, you play that game against. Auburn again. It's a toss-up. I mean, they won that in the last drive. It was a close game. Absolutely, I think Oregon can make enough noise to get in there. Okay.
1: The only other one I'd throw in is USC.
0: Of course you would. <laughs> of course you would. Clay Helton's getting fired, dude. Um, tennis. Oh, we've mentioned the Tennessee game. Old Miss distance themselves from Arkansas to determine who is perhaps the worst in the SEC. And Arkansas still can't really get it together, but they will lose that one 31-17. We talked a little bit about the Colorado Nebraska game, but they overcome a scoreless first half to put on something like collectively twenty something points or thirty no thirty four points in the last quarter or something. <laughs> it was it was
1: incredible. I was watching it collectively. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, Scott Frost must be so disappointed with letting that one slip because they were in a great spot to win that game and yeah. and that really would have helped propel them forward. Now it's you know a big step back having to, having to face that one and, and take that loss. So they'll be super disappointed and I'm going to be interested to see how they react to that one.
0: Yeah. I mean, second year in, we talk a lot about coaches and, and the kind of impact they have. And, you know, Nick Saban was turning things around quickly. Dabo Swinney was turning things around quickly. Ed Orgeron was turning things around quickly. You can tell a lot, even by their first and second years, is there some concern around Scott Frost, uh, maybe isn't the man at Nebraska.
1: No, certainly not, but it's a really disappointing result and it would be for him. I mean, he would be setting himself to pick that one up and to build on that and this just kind of knocks that back. So I think he's still safe and comfortable. It's just that this... Really prolongs things now because that's gonna really hurt their chances moving forward of doing anything special this year, anyways.
0: Adrian Martinez, still an absolute freak, uh, was explosive and on the ground though as well. So, good job of him. Florida State, do we want to talk about that? Oh. Yeah, I uh,
1: <laughs> I have a helmet sticker to hand out there.
0: If it's not Cam Akers, it's no one from Florida State, that's for sure. It is Cam Akers, (laughs) though. This
1: is a save your head coach's job helmet sticker. Okay, right. So he just put the team on his back. He had 248 total yards and three touchdowns on 41 touches. (laughs) <laughs> that's like three quarters of your offense so James Blackman's that
0: job is to take the snap and get it to Cam get it to that guy <laughs> yeah
1: and I mean super disappointing that they're in these kind of tight tussles with a, with a team like this uh, and no disrespect to Louisiana Monroe but they would be stoked that they're up and competing with a, a powerhouse or a former powerhouse like FSU so for Cam to stand up and get it done and save Willie Taggart from being you know run out of town with pitchforks and blazing torches, he uh, would be grateful, I think.
0: Yeah, I was... So I went to overtime, and they actually, it was a missed extra point that got Florida State the win, and I thought that actually Louisiana Monroe might go for two there. I didn't think they needed to roll the dice. I actually thought they would feel pretty confident. They came back from a fair way in the second half, and they would feel confident that they could Probably stop Florida State and then go and score, but I just thought they oh, were moving the ball so easily. You need two yards, maybe is that one of the two- and it's again yeah, easy mean, in hi- hindsight. Hindsight yeah. twenty twenty. I mean, I I was glad they kicked it to be honest, um, because I thought they were going to win in the second overtime. But anyway, that's a brutal miss too, isn't it? That oh, kicker having to live with that shit. I-, I liked the Florida State celebrating, and it was like, oh I don't know if I'd be that keen on it. But anyway. Uh, I never thought I'd say this. I like seeing Florida State down, but this it's not good for the ACC to have both no. Miami, Florida State in the way that they are. Having said that, maybe I just come to terms with the fact that Miami's just not very good, hasn't been very good for a long time, and this is who we are. Anyway, Look,
1: you're maturing now too. This is so fucked.
0: I, need to, I just need to accept that you're like this with Oklahoma State. The, the Big 12 is all it's ever going to be for you, and maybe if Oklahoma's having a down year... <laughs> it's pretty good (laughs) that's what I'm hoping for anyway UCLA loses to San Diego State for the first time in 23 tries um and the Aztecs put up 23 points to 14 Chip Kelly has got to be on a hot seat all of a sudden I would think uh In other games, and again, feel free to jump in. Pitt, Duke, Louisville, Virginia Tech, Virginia win handily in the ACC. In the Big Ten, Illinois, Michigan State, Penn State after a sluggish start. Indiana, Minnesota had to come from the clouds, including throwing a touchdown on like 4th and 12 or 4th and 11 uh, to beat Fresno State but they do, and Wisconsin as well, absolutely dominating their win. Oh,
1: Wisconsin are just trashing teams
0: at the moment. <laughs> yeah. They are.
1: they got to be one of the most informed teams. I know that, like, the competition has been somewhat down. Southern Florida aren't terrible, and they whacked them, and then they've just gone whack again. They're just, <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah. Uh, helps if you've got the best running back in the country. Uh, the SEC sees Auburn, Florida, South Carolina, Georgie, Kentucky, and Mississippi State all win the Big 12 Coastal Carolina beat Kansas uh, to hand Les Miles a rough start to his return to coaching. Oh, they're one-on-one. Yeah. K-State win. Oklahoma comfortably. Oklahoma State comfortably. Texas Tech and Alan Bowman, the showman, continues. uh, And Baylor as well, who I, I sneaky like Baylor, so... Uh, there are winners in the Pac-12, Oregon destroy Nevada, Arizona do things comfortably. Washington State have, uh, you know, haven't missed a beat since the loss of uh, Minshew at quarterback.
1: Who is now starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, on the back of Nick Foles' big dick yeah. Nick's broken collarbone.
0: Yeah, he <laughs> that is unbelievable. Gardner Minshew. Um, and Arizona State as well in a Kind of, they labor home against Sacramento State. I think it was UCF, Memphis, and UAB all win as well. And of course, Australia's team Hawaii uh, are now two and three. No, yeah, three, no? two and oh, they they, they, had, they had the off week. They did have a bye week. Actually, they did too. So they beat Oregon State by a field goal as well. So claiming
1: themselves a power five scout. Look yes. out. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: take it. <laughs> Oregon State, eh? I need to schedule Kansas next
0: Yep, okay Uh, Not too many helmet stickers there I feel like there's some Absolute weapons That could have been mentioned
1: Yeah, you kind of flew through A bit there So there are a couple That I would like to chuck on On the back here If I can Uh, There is Darrington Evans At Appalachian State So A couple of group of five teams here But they played against Charlotte He had 19 carries For 234 yards And three touchdowns That's not bad uh, and then Elijah Collins at Michigan State had 17 carries for 192 yards. So they
0: ran the ball. Michigan State yeah. don't, can't run the ball. Still I mean, didn't can't get in the end the zone. <laughs>
1: yeah. How do you do that? 17 <laughs> carries, nearly 200 yards and didn't get in the end zone. So yeah. that's crazy. Uh, and then at Hawaii, it wasn't our boy Cedric Bird doing it this week. It was Jojo Ward. Yeah. So he had 10 catches for 189 yards and four touchdowns. And
0: those two dudes are like similar types as well. They look the same. They're both kind of short slot receiver-y types. Um, so yeah, Hawaii just, just putting up more numbers. Massive. Yeah. Okay. Now let's jump into our first look at Aussies in action this year. Again. Some, oh, some of us second. Dude, for me, I, I don't listen. <laughs> fuck. All right. Well, let's push on. Uh, so I'll blitz through this. Uh, pretty quickly but Adam Corsack at Rutgers had a mountain of work to do against Iowa but he had 10 punts for 47 uh, and a half yard average James Stefano the friend of the show uh, his clutch kicking especially in overtime for Colorado he gets a mention had a really solid outing
1: yeah certainly I was watching that one and I was really happy for him I was up and about in the (laughs) living room when he kicked that fucking beauty
0: so good stuff to the buffs there and hopefully they can continue their winning ways Oscar Bradburn uh, had three punts for 56.7 yard average at Virginia Tech. That is hefty. Yeah, heavy leg. Michael Sleep Dalton, he had six for 48.3. He's up at Iowa now. You may have heard, we spoke about him a lot last year, but he was at Arizona State, now Iowa doing good things. Trent Schneider, again, got a fair bit of airtime last year. He had seven punts at an average of 51.6. So, a, f- a couple of really, really big outings there. Anytime guys are punting the ball over 50 yards average, that's a really nice day out.
1: Yeah, and that leaves us with seven dudes in the top 20 uh, for the net yards, or sorry, the total average yards at the moment. So, Max Duffy, Oscar Bradburn, Trent Schneider, Tyson Dyer, Hayden Whitehead at Indiana, uh, Adam Corsack, and Michael Sleep Dalton, you mentioned, all in the top 20, and we'll be looking to push forward and Put their case forward.
0: Who, who's number one at the moment? Do you know who's number one? It in is the country? Uh,
1: still again Michael Turk. So he was the Arizona State boy who had that incredible week last week, where he just sent everything for over 65 <laughs> yards, yeah, yeah. including a long of 75. So he has uh, dropped back to the pack with a still healthy 55.3 yard average on 10 punts. Okay. That's monstrous. Uh, His his net average is over 50, which is, man,
0: not bad. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Now, I didn't want to get into this too early, but here we are. We push on through. Bold prediction time. Will, mine did not go well, so we'll start with you, please.
1: (laughs) Uh, I think mine went better than yours. (laughs) Still not great. I mean, I didn't get it. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, if we're talking the vibe of the thing, which was the SEC will bounce back. They did. <laughs> like from a vibe standpoint, SEC was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, te- they
0: didn't lose to Wyoming this week. Correct.
1: So. The Tennessee lost to BYU probably <laughs> takes the shine off of that a little. That's not good. And then my squad, uh, Vanderbilt, really let me down. So okay. I, I did have this one as, as one of the other. So would you say the, the SEC
0: wouldn't lose? Is that what you said? Yeah,
1: essentially. They would win all of their out-of-conference out conference games. games. So there were 8 matchups there, and they won six of them. Okay. Uh, so... Solid, but yep. not enough to no get dice. the Chockeys.
0: Okay, so I said that all the uh, freshman quarterback, and I'll throw Sam Ellinger in there as well, which I wish I hadn't done that, would go and have more turnovers than they did touchdowns they would they were responsible for. Now, out of the five quarterbacks that are in that, which was Sam Howe, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels, and Hank Backmeyer at Boise State, Between those four guys, they had one turnover. Sam Ellinger didn't have any, so that leaves me with a touchdown-to-turnover ratio of 11 to 1. That's not good. (laughs) So that's not good at all. Uh, So, yeah, I missed horribly there. So. Speaking of missing horribly, let's go on the punt with a now freshly broke and slightly earlier in the year broke Will Muirden.
1: Yeah, that, that's bitterly disappointing this weekend. <laughs> I mean, the, the one solace that I can take from this week's results is that everyone that I've spoken to and the feedback that I've got was the 10 picks were too fucking hard for people to follow and get their bets on.
0: Yeah, I was confused by it. I, in fact, there was a point where I stopped listening, I'm pretty sure. And so.
1: I think most of the listeners out there are in the same boat. So that's great news because they didn't waste their money. They kind of have hit me up afterwards and said, oh, how'd you go on the pump this week? And i are mm, like, oh, good, I missed it. <laughs> so I hope most people out there are in that boat and weren't on board because in the end of the 10 that I picked, I mean, because it's at the line... Odds are that you get 50%. I couldn't even do that. I got four of the 10. Uh, I didn't make any money back. So I lose all 10 units. You know, 10 units is 10 units. If if you did have a good week the week before and maybe double up on your units this week, then you'd really be hurting. (laughs) (sighs) So... And is that what you did? That would be disappointing, wouldn't it? (laughs) But anyways, if... We're, we're you talking were so confident as well. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Waterline
0: arrogance. You were like, I uh, control thi- gambling now. The
1: thirty-two grand that I could have made if all ten got in, I'd already like <laughs> added to my cart in online shopping. Like I've got it sitting there. So <laughs> I maybe got a little bit out of myself. Uh, that puts me now down five point one eight units. So we're going to go back to talking units than hundreds of dollars <laughs> yeah. uh, for this year. But I'm um, I'm keen. I've, I've I'm going to shake things up a little bit. I still oh, think
0: God, here we go. We're not, let's not like sticking to a plan here. No, we're I still think
1: them. we're right with the trend. I'm just not going to bite off so much. I think I'm, I'm going to condense things back. I'm going to find the right plays, and I'm going to give them out to you out
0: there. Okay. Well, that is hor- horrifyingly disappointing for anyone who follows Will. And like last year, I would recommend maybe pick your own spreads and games, maybe do a little bit of research.
1: No, I think the smart play is still very much to just fade me. Whatever I'm giving out, go the opposite and you'll be fucking wealthy. Okay.
0: That is true, actually, isn't
1: it? It, it would be a great ploy. Like, if you've done that since 2008, you'd
0: be fucking rolling in it. So, okay, let's. we'll go on the punt this week and maybe I'll just do that. I don't have a gambling account, but maybe I should open one. I'm just going to do the... Exact opposite. All right. That brings us to the end of week two recap. That is in the books. Before we do say goodbye, I want to have a quick shout out to Tommy Maslin, who did hit me up. And uh, uh, he a fan of the show. So I thought I'd give him a quick shout out. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um, So yeah, that puts week two in the books. Uh, A very exciting week two of college football. And of course, that doesn't stop. We've got week three coming up, which... It looks to be shaping up to be not maybe the high-power games or the, the high-end games that we had like this week, but certainly enough juicy games to keep us interested. Anyway, as per usual, please do uh, hit us up on Instagram or at, on Twitter, at CFB Down Under. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app or Stitcher or whatever, Spotify, whatever other uh pod catching podcast catching applications that you choose to use on behalf of Will Mieren my name is Aaron Kemp and we will see you next time